Chapter Three of the Ins and Outs of Paris, or Paris by Day and Night, by Julie de Marguerite. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Tuileries. The Tuileries. How much of Parisian life, or the drama of Parisian life, as it is the fashion of French authors to style the events of our sublunary existence, goes on here? Not in that hard-looking, many-windowed palace extending from one gate to another which has witnessed so many dissolving views of various royal dynasties but the tuileries garden with its soft green turf its gay parterre studded with flowers rare and brilliant its sparkling fountains its deep tufted woods its marble statues and its atmosphere redolent with the perfume of the orange trees flourishing under the shadow of the thick foliage of the flowering chestnuts how still save for the incessant music of those nameless songsters who fill the thick trees is this garden when at six o'clock the patrol relieving guard at each entrance throws open the iron gates very soon passengers begin to enter from the rue de rivoli they are men in humble life they pass unheeding on and merely see in this garden a shorter cut to the other side enabling them to cross the pont royal and get to the other side of the seine a few minutes sooner than by the more circuitous streets this road so smoothly gravelled passes just before the palace windows beneath that stone balcony where so many kings and conquerors have bowed triumphantly to the people since the days of catherine de medici who built the palace here marie antoinette lovely and popular bent a young bride to the homage of a whole people here lately as young and fair an empress attired in bridal robes bowed before the same people the shouts that greeted the queen were louder and more enthusiastic than those which saluted the empress yet perhaps this may predict a better fate than that of a queen whose race nearly extinct seems now forever banished from the hearts and palaces of france but it grows late the terrace that borders the rue de rivoli is getting quite full at the three gates from the rue castiglione the rue des pyramides and the rue neuve de luxembourg passengers flock from all sides going to the various ministères you may almost guess the destination of these government clerks by their characteristic gait and costume this trim dapper gentleman with the well-brushed coat the stiff white shirt collar and immaculate wristbands coming over the economical but strictly clean and whole beaver gloves indicates the employé of the intérieur or home affairs he enters from the rue st honore a street not far from the office of that department and where he has since his marriage resided there every day for the last twenty years as the clock struck nine his wife has summoned him to the same immutable breakfast of over-fried sausages a pat of the freshest butter two pounds of bread or rather two yards for he cuts off of one end whilst the other remains on the floor and the tasse de café à la crème drank out of a white bowl with a gilt edge having also in gilt letters the initials of his name he in dressing-gown and slippers and his wife in curl-papers which the tidiest of morning-caps strives in vain to hide a faded morning-gown and an old drab-coloured shawl are not all shawls drab when they get old here for twenty years have this couple sat in their tiled-floored dining-room with its one window looking on to a dead wall its twelve cane-seated chairs and its large mahogany table here have they sat contentedly for twenty years 
their breakfast not varying and their conversation not changing one day from another madame the well-brought-up daughter of some retired tradesman has from the hour of her marriage perfectly understood the duties of her position she has known how far four thousand francs a year would allow them to go and has gone no further their four rooms with une cuisine so small that when the frying-pan is on the fire the handle touches the opposite wall but whence every day issues nevertheless though only once per diem petits plats that would make an english or an american cook's fortune but which would have required almost an expansion of the walls to contain an english christmas joint nor must we forget the little antechamber into which when the three doors and windows were all open and crossed hands in the middle it was impossible to gain admittance these had been her habitation and for the rent of these she paid seven hundred francs a year here she had brought up her two children a girl and a boy and now they being married and disposed of she continued her daily avocations she found some spare time and not being rich enough to indulge in social or artistic amusements she took to a strict practice of the catholic solemnities hearing her opera at the church of saint roch working footstools and armchairs for insidious cures and enjoying those pageants of tapers incense and gorgeous dresses which the wily priests get up to appease those imaginations which monotony might lead astray this is her round of amusements but the great events of her life are the reception every sunday of her children and their families the advent of these young people is the text which feeds the conversation of the old couple for the whole week but we have kept the exemplary clerk of the home department lingering at the gate of the tuileries and he will be too late an event which has not happened once in the whole twenty years he wears the ribbon of the legion of honour and the sentinels salute him as he passes the legion of honour is given as a reward for industry and perseverance as well as for actions of daring and bravery the former virtues by the way being by far the most difficult to practise another clerk has now made his appearance at the gate having come from the other side of the seine he is tall and gaunt and his trousers are most strenuously strapped under his high-heeled boots a grey moustache quite conceals his mouth his stiff black stock disdains all linen and on his tightly buttoned coat are several crosses the sentinels present arms and add bonjour mon officier to their salutation upon which mon officier remembers old times disdains the present thinks himself the most ill-treated of men and sulkily wends his way to the ministere de la guerre the war office where a clerkship has rewarded his heroic achievements whilst these clerks are crossing the tuileries fair young girls with music-books under their arms and white-aproned bun nurses by their side for no young girl in paris goes out alone are tripping along in every direction the bun with hands in her pockets chatters loudly and looks you boldly in the face the young girl minces along and looks at you askance through her long eyelashes there is so much modesty and grace in this look that you think her beautiful yet she has but the universal beauty of a frenchwoman incomparable eyes is it because frenchwomen know so well the art of managing their eyes and glances that dazzled by them we take all other beauties on trust or is it that really endowed with beautiful eyes only they have made the use of them their study je ne sais but the fact is there is a fascination in a frenchwoman's face which the women of no other nation however beautiful possess 
at the end of the terrasse des feuillants which is separated by an iron and gilt railing from the rue de rivoli there is another terrace to which you ascend by many steps it is almost a thick wood being planted with flowering chestnuts and laburnums here too are comfortable benches ensconced in shady bowers and then here all is quiet cool fresh for the terrace leads nowhere here since nine o'clock struck from the chateau the garde meuble and the invalide has a young man in elegant morning costume been walking at every pace of which walking is susceptible and sitting in every attitude into which that commonplace habit can be perverted by his watch it is evidently nine o'clock though he had doubted the deep-toned clocks that had announced it and had appealed with a look of disdain from their decision to that of the little breguet in his waistcoat pocket now he seems quite angry too with this straightforward friend for after a violent rush round the terrace he looks at it puts it to his ear as if he thought it had been slumbering at its post and thrusting it away takes to gnawing the exquisitely carved head of his cane now now look at him he has darted off follow with your eyes the direction of his hasty steps there as far as he can see almost further than you can is a form advancing with a step almost as hasty as his own you admire as the figure advances the exquisite ankle and instep enclosed in that brown boot which the agitation of the walk and the flutter of the petticoats for of course it is a woman what man ever waited for or ran after anybody but a woman have revealed a simple gingham dress but oh how exquisitely made a plain plaited cambric collar a black scarf a straw bonnet with a white ribbon and the most immaculate of gloves such is the toilette of this long expected lady but this is all worn with such an air and such a grace that people turn to look at her as though she were clad in feathers and brocade when they come within a few yards of each other they slacken their pace they look away from each other then as if by chance and quite as if he had been thinking of the rise in the three per cents and she of the last discourse of the abbe ravignan with some apparent surprise and great apparent coldness they salute each other bonjour madame bonjour monsieur but then the gentleman turns round and they walk on side by side the young man's heart is beating faster than a watch which rests upon it and the tell-tale blush mantles the cheek of the lady alfred spring spontaneously to their lips and then but then we leave them we are not going to tell all that is said between the hours of seven and twelve on the terrace des feuillants because we are not writing a love story as for the lady if you look well in the grande allee some hours later you will find her in a very different dress in very different company and looking very grand and very prudish but not half so pretty at this moment she is supposed to be aubin private houses in paris not affording this luxury french women are in the habit of going to the public baths three or four times a week or oftener provided they are at home by twelve to breakfast at la fourchette the proprieties are observed the husband satisfied and all is right balzac who applied a merry scalpel to parisian manners offered a premium to the husband in the upper and middle classes who on going to the bath his wife was supposed to frequent before breakfast should actually find her there as for monsieur alfred he is an employé at the ministère des finances which department has a miraculous faculty of doing its own work 
or of getting it done by one or two whilst it pays many the clerks of this department are all young men of good family who are put there to help their own finances or to solve the problem of spending ten or fifteen thousand francs a year out of as many hundreds it is not of much consequence at what time m alfred makes his appearance at his desk but now under this terrace there arises a hubbub of voices young gay prattling voices and the monotonous murmur of the older gossip look down over the stone wall of the terrace exposed to the full blaze of the noonday sun are a row of benches a smooth wide alley surrounded by a parterre of fragrant roses and flowering shrubs is in front whilst a thick plantation of old trees shields and hides this spot from all the rest of the garden the temperature of this place sheltered from the wind and exposed to the sun is even and much warmer than that of the prevailing season and from this circumstance it is called la petite provence here delicate children are brought by their tender mothers the bright-eyed and hollow-cheeked victim of consumption whose heart yearns for italy but to whom fortune has forbidden health on this condition comes here to inhale a few balmy breezes and above all la petite provence is the resort of the shattered old soldiers from louis the fourteenth's great invalide there they come old and tottering minus legs and arms to bask in the sun to fight their battles o'er again or relate them to wondering nurses curious little girls or aspiring little boys here these aged children come to watch the gambols of the young ones the world has no longer for them hopes or ambitions henceforth it has no event that can alter their fate they are certain to eat drink and sleep under the same roof until they rest in the grave thus the minds of the aged detached from all passing events return to the happy remembrance of their childhood when all was true when all was joy when suffering was unknown and disappointment unforeseen many an invalid has for hours held a sickly child on his knee and soothed it into listening to his wondrous stories until its large blue eyes would seem to hang upon its very words and often has the old narrator all maimed and grey-headed hobbled to the accustomed spot long after the flowers were blooming on the grave of his young listener the day wears on under the galleries of the rue rivoli groups of lounging dandies may be seen crowding the various gateways of the hotels carriages are standing too along the chaussee at one point particularly where au premier lives a lady whose ample fortune has been made entirely out of the english visitors of whom there are on an average from twenty-five thousand to thirty thousand always in paris she is one of the priestesses of the temple of fashion and employs a trade which has no name save in the french language she is called a lingère she ministers to a species of elegance which english and american women at home and in fact every other but the parisian are but just acquiring madame minette is a naval counsellor and professor but her lessons are rather dear she lives on the first floor paying a rent of about six thousand francs and in this atelier she manufactures those charming garments which conventional prudery has rendered it indecent to name in the feminine gender but which are much talked of and how much complained of when assuming collars and wristbands they belong to the masculine gender unmistakably the opposite sex are not supposed in polite language to have an existing counterpart an american lady not well versed in french 
and having always applied a garbled version of the french word to her own garment was quite shocked and set the parisians down as an indecent nation when informed that the same word served for the same garment both for men and women and that when she decently spoke of her own she must designate her husband's as a chemise also well madame minette only makes feminine underclothes but all the wonders of satins brocades and velvets must yield to these fairy woven mazes of cambric valenciennes muslins and lace such graceful forms such stitching such cascades of lace from the flowing night-dress such bewitching nightcaps such fabulous morning-gowns lined with soft silk covered with embroidery lace and ribbons and these airy fabrics looking like a realized cobweb must they be called by the vulgar name of pocket-handkerchiefs the price of one of them would have sufficed to furnish the grandmothers of the present generation with handkerchiefs for the whole of their lives the queen of the belgians is said to have presented one to her sister-in-law the duchess of orleans worth five thousand francs of course it was a specimen from the looms of brussels and the empress eugenie has ordered for herself one which is to cost ten thousand francs but we are lingering with the fair spendthrifts over the wonders of madame minette and the tuileries has been gradually fulling with its motley population the space between the terrasse des feuillants and the allée des orangers is perilous ground it is like going about amongst a community of ants nests it is literally swarmed with children not the delicate sickly children of la petite provence but your good sound rollicking noisy riotous despotic boys and girls bent on having their own way and who have passed their whole lives in getting it take care don't dream of madame say's eyes and compare them to the heavens on which you are gazing look at your feet you are positively running over two very young mammas intent upon the first promenade of mademoiselle la poupée these indignant flashes of their baby eyes speak well for their future power now see you have unwittingly executed a feat of gymnastics you have gone clean through a hoop and now you have floundered into a miniature cart filled with sand destined for the lap of some white-aproned bun who is patiently sitting there knitting her stocking as she watches her young charges a little further on is a group of nurses with very young infants varying from one month old to twelve the french ordonnance for the health of young children pronounces it necessary that these young specimens of the human race should be constantly in the air sun and air contributing to their growth as they do to the sprouting of young vegetables the whole paraphernalia of the nursery is therefore transported to the tuileries and the mysteries of that usually impenetrable region revealed for the benefit of innocent bachelors there is another circumstance in these little al fresco establishments which probably the last mentioned observers do not fail to remark the very magnificent specimens of womankind amongst the wet nurses the appendage of every baby born in france they are generally from normandy having all the beauty which is called english which would tend to show that english beauty like english nobility is of norman origin plump fair with bright eyes fresh colour and white teeth wearing the picturesque and singular costume of their province these purveyors of food for the rising generation are by no means particular as to drapery and a painter who might desire to take them as models would have a capital opportunity of studying nature from nature's font well 
once free from your aunts in pink capotes and velvet blouses you dive into the allee des orangers perhaps take it all in all the most delicious promenade in all europe for even the lawns and groves of kensington in london must yield the palm to the laissez aller of the frequenters of this walk kensington is either a desert or a formal crowd a rout in fact without the lights and supper the orange trees which here so perfume the air are brought in large wooden tubs from the orangery of the palace and placed under the chestnut trees then in bloom under these are arranged hundreds of clean and comfortable straw-bottomed chairs leaving in the centre a wide space for pedestrians the left side of this alley is sheltered by a thick grove of shady trees extending with one intervening road across the garden in paris fortune from being equally distributed in families whenever the father dies is not abundant in many the french are not extravagant as a general rule they live within their income thus there are no migrations to watering-places no flights to the country whether for sea-bathing or inland airings in most of the families belonging to that largest portion of all populations the middle class now the country seat of the whole of this population is the tuileries here as we have seen the infant inhales its breath and basks a few years later in the sun here in maturer years does the respectable class of society seek amusement whilst the higher and more favoured here also pass before them in the allee des orangers stepping from their carriages at the various gates and promenading before them in all the pomp of luxury and fashion half-pay officers retired tradesmen pensioned government clerks every civil employé of the french government has a pension reversible to his widow old bachelors who have no home all take their station towards the middle of the day on chairs a little apart though within view of the crowd for two sous at a small summer-house looking building each visitor gets a newspaper or a review paying to the courteous lady who carries on this speculation another two sous and there he sits till the palace clock strikes his dinner hour here the wife of the man of moderate means having seen her house in order sent her only servant who by the by does more than three english or six irish servants work and with a civility and cheerfulness which forbids all scolding to market bin herself to mass mended her household linen and dusted her petit salon with its many knick-knacks comes in a simple and neat dress to her garden the tuileries she cannot afford to sit idle she does not care for newspapers and her confessor forbids all novel reading so placing her feet on the spars and her work-basket on the seat of the chair before her she diligently applies herself to some embroidery by which she may be able to wear some of those elegancies which she cannot afford to buy of madame minette often her children are with her perhaps old enough to sit by her side watching the arrival of le cher papa who has here a perpetual daily rendezvous with his wife in returning home from his office then after enjoying the sight of the thronged alley these peaceful citizens happy and unenvious retire to their very comfortable and tidy home their frugal dinner and occasionally as a treat a visit to one of the minor theatres meantime the allee is thronged every chair is occupied and the pedestrians by far the most ultra-fashionables move but at the pace of a procession here only some very elegant toilettes may be seen for in the streets it is bad taste to dress showily 
the leaders of fashion in every rank the duchess from the faubourg st germain accompanied by her husband takes a sober walk from the entrance on the quay to the gate on the place de la concorde where their carriages will meet them and take them to the bois de boulogne the belle of the chaussee d'antin the wife of some rich stockbroker or banker sails down this allée surrounded by her moustached beau in immaculate kid gloves she is lovely graceful charming but you can distinguish her from the duchess by her absence of repose a quicker walk and a louder tone of conversation she too will go to the bois de boulogne but it will be later when she is quite sure that all whom she wishes to kill with envy have seen her dress and her bow here too is the literary woman but she is seated and has a circle round her of artists and poets now it is the ambition of a french literary woman to be a woman of the world also in paris the blue stocking is never the pedant but wears the mantle of poesy with the air of a coquette and cut in the newest fashion here on the left at the end of the allée lolling upon many chairs are a group of deputies just from the assembly they have taken their station just at the end of the promenade to which every one must come either to turn again or to leave this is of all others the group it would be most amusing to join amongst them they know the history of all who pass by and their witty sarcastic facetious and scandalous comments on all within eyeshot would form a far more amusing column in the papers than the reports of their dry and tedious speeches it is all very fine to talk of scandal and old maids but for a good hearty set of gossipers commend me to any body of men escaped from the day's business of which day the business occupies about two hours all the rest being talky talky foreigners of all nations from the well-shaved rotund and well-brushed englishman to the bearded bejewelled and unwashed hungarian the present popular heroes the greeks and poles having long ago become obsolete besprinkle the motley crowd in the allee des orangers many of these foreign dandies may be seen in the train of the english a portly woman fenced on each side by a tall somewhat stiff but comely daughter has usually a bodyguard of men who still believing in the traditional riches of the english lives in hopes of being admitted into the family then young diplomats with accredited positions good historical names and fine fortunes saunter disdainfully into the procession for a few minutes these very grand gentlemen dressed in the perfection of simplicity and elegance usually appear in groups of two or three the belle of the chaussee d'antin stops her witty war of words as they pass and in spite of herself tries to catch their attention sometimes they will condescend to the most orthodox and freezing of bows sometimes they will pass by without looking her way at all to the literary lady they give a faint smile and a familiar nod and even a cordial shake of the hand to the artists around her to the deputies the solemn bow of etiquette as they pass the duchess of the faubourg st germain they take off their hats put themselves in their most graceful attitudes and wait for a recognition but she is talking to the duke not caring who looks at her or what anybody thinks of her so they merely get a courteous obeisance from the duke the duchess saloon and society is the ne plus ultra of their desires but it requires other credentials than those they bring to get admitted there to a lady of the diplomatic corps they would of course condescend to speak but they never sit down the mere fact of sitting amongst unknown people 
of being jostled of having to pay two sous would be too much for their nerves here is a joyous group full of national character there are eight or ten persons and one or two of the younger ladies are dressed with elegance and fashion there are young men too wearing the cross of the legion of honour one with a fine intelligent brow is seated by an old woman in the striped petticoat and high cap of the french peasantry and is deferentially listening and replying to her questions he is not ashamed of his parentage for as he looks up he replies to the salutations of his many friends who address him by a name familiar in the annals of genius and literature here also are one or two other country people and two lovely children dressed in the picturesque elegance of the parisian mud are sitting on their knees here comes a new personage a woman with a large basket two large baskets full of what voulez-vous du plaisir mesdames voulez-vous du plaisir messieurs of course the offer is too tempting to be resisted but what pleasure can be had for two sous when you have spent so many golden coins in searching for it half over the world of course the group we have just been describing want plaisir too first the children shout for some then the old peasant woman and a pile of the precious commodity is deposited in a chair in the middle which is untenanted and upon the spars of which are resting the feet of several of the party the plaisir thus bought and sold is a very large wafer particularly crisp and nice why it is called plaisir we know not save that it crumbles into dust as you take hold of it and is blown away by the wind if you don't watch it the old peasant woman evidently enjoys it and her son smiles at her enjoyment the holy spirit of love for family ties is supreme in france and to whatever degree of refinement renown or riches they may rise none are ever ashamed of their origin such anomalous family meetings as the one we have described do not excite surprise or curiosity even the gaping multitude in the streets will respect and understand the motive which prompts this elegant and distinguished young man to give his arm and affectionate attention to the poor old peasant woman but it is five o'clock half-past five is the general dinner hour and the gardens begin to clear the higher class have long since disappeared in their carriages for their drive they do not dine till an hour later children parents loungers all have gone the newspaper summer-house is closing for the day the marchande de plaisir goes home to renew her stock and the chairwoman sits down on one of her own chairs to count her sous at this hour in the alley called the terrasse du bord de l'eau because it looks on to the seine and forms at the same time the outer wall of the garden a few solitary ladies are seen to walk they have retired tastes they are alone they do not love the crowd yet they are tastefully dressed are all evidently young and all seem pretty ah one has dropped her handkerchief fortunately that young man so like one of those supercilious attaches only that he now moves with much alacrity has picked it up he overtakes her they are talking nay conversing and oh sin oh sorrow and oh womankind they are leaving the terrace together this lady belongs to a class to be found here always at this hour called le sous d'inrege a question which is generally answered by some gallant cavalier in a cabinet particulier at varies the fours or the trois frères 
there is a peculiar melancholy about this deserted terrace at one time a large portion of it was laid out as a garden for the king of rome here he would come with all his toys and books his wonderful little carriage and here he would receive the many petitions given to him for his father napoleon it is said never refused a petition coming to him through the hands of his much beloved son here too in later years when this fair child was being educated far away ignorant of the love that had tended and watched his infancy and of the blood that flowed in his veins another royal boy no less fair played in this garden people flocked to see the young duc de bordeaux whose birth was almost a miracle and on whom the hopes of a fading race all rested he too has passed away less remembered in his exile than the other in his grave and here still later the royal financier the wily toady of european sovereigns paced for healthy exercise until shot at by some of those many bullets which ever missed their aim fate scorning to give a hero's death to such a dastard and here the fair young princesses of the orleans race marie whose name engraved on an immortal statue will live as an artist when all her race is lost in the confusion of genealogy clementine the gentle and the good were wont to escape in a sweet communion from the dull monotony of their melancholy home the count de paris and the duc de chartres two brave bright boys keeping pace with the spirit of the age themselves dug and planted in this little garden they too have passed away they too are exiles the tuileries since the massacre of the swiss guards across the threshold of its outer walls has been fatal to the heirs of the crown of france when night at length leaves the garden to the solitary sentinels the palace itself with light streaming from every window becomes an object of interest it is so connected with the changes and revolutions of ever-changing and oft-revolutionized france that the most unimaginative as they look on it must think of the many great and forgotten whose shadows have passed before the windows as those now do whilst you gaze for one instant excluding the light then vanishing themselves into shadow the bourbon kings possessors of versailles liked not this noisy palace in the heart of paris the first consul here held his first court levies and loved the tuileries louis the eighteenth whose enjoyments were entirely independent of ambition and who said après moi le déluge spent the fifteen years of his reign in the pavillon de flore the wing near the quay in the smallest apartments he could find translating latin authors writing witty notes and eating suppers worthy of the epicurean philosophers he had read in the morning charles x loved st cloud but the duchess de berry and her elegant frivolous pleasure-loving court made the galerie de diane and the salle des marechaux ring with mirth and music the last fate at which the old nobility of france ever met the last vestige of the many generations of the chivalry of france louis-philippe who would have liked to be in the chimney-corner of every citizen of paris and who did not disdain to interfere in the most trivial details of everybody's household crammed his whole family attendants servants children and all into the tuileries he too though his was the dullest court on record was forever giving receptions concerts balls etc and he assembled around him such a heterogeneous mass of visitors that many of the foreign ambassadors were ashamed of him and dreaded to approach him in his varied wanderings the citizen king had made some very queer friends and he received them now in his glory and would ask the ambassadors to invite them 
introduced by a king of course the invitations could not be withheld but english austrian and russian dignity shuddered at the plebeian contact the people too have twice sat on that throne and twice has the palace been confided to their guard the plate jewels furniture pictures all entrusted to them guarded by the honesty honour in the lower ranks assumes that name of men who had not five francs in the world excepting the personal effects of louis philippe which were burnt out of spite not one article was stolen or injured perhaps these rough guardians were the first who ever left power a palace and a throne without any increase of wealth prosperity or importance End of chapter 3